Welcome to the podcast of the Center for Asian American Christianity at Princeton Theological Seminary, a space for ongoing dialogue among Asian American scholars, ministry leaders, and activists. It's good to see you all tonight. My name is Dr. David Chow. I'm the director of the Center for Asian American Christianity. Welcome to tonight's colloquium, the first uh, Colloquium of the Asian American Theology and Ministry Colloquium. We're delighted to have Pastor Mia Chang join us to, to speak. Reverend Dr. Mia Chang is the lead pastor and founder of Next Gen Church in West Windsor. Reverend Mia was ordained as a pastor by the American Baptist Churches of New Jersey. She obtained her doctorate in ministry studies at Palmer Theological Seminary of Eastern University in Pennsylvania. Reverend Mia is a board member of American Baptist Home Mission Societies, the Ecclesia Network, and Spring in the Desert Ministry. I first met Reverend Mia at the Stop AAPI Hate Rally in Princeton in March, where I heard her opening prayer that cut to my heart. Her presentation tonight is titled, Cultivating a Multicultural Community. Please welcome Reverend Mia. Thank you, Dr. Chow. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm grateful. I'm excited to be out. Uh, I just want to introduce my husband in the back, Steve. Um, thank you all for being here to hear my story. <laughs> um, tonight, is not, this is not a lecture. It's not you know theological discourse. It's really just a one person sharing her story about what God has done. You know, I was praying for this event this morning, and I was just so moved, just, just kind of going back and, and thinking about what, what God has done in my life uh, through this ministry and how God has used our small, fledgling beginning, humble beginning, how God has used us to do really mighty things that we really didn't imagine, we couldn't imagine when we first started. So it was just a humbling uh, for me to, to look back uh, at just the, the faithfulness of God, the power of God. So I hope that today's stories uh, really, you know, move you and hopefully inspire you to, to take on the vision and the mission of, of the kingdom. Um, the title for tonight's um, just talk is called Cultivating a Multicultural Community. And I, and I want to share this not really as a formula. This is not strategies or it's not how to. Uh, it's really about creating a community led by the Holy Spirit. This is a spirit-led, spirit-moving ministry. And honestly, it's something that I could not have done. Uh, and it's something I've, I, I want to say, stepped into um, unknowingly. And so I think if God were to have shown me the whole picture of what was going to happen, I would have run away. And so just I, I stepped into it uh, in some ways um, naive, but I, I am grateful that God equipped me every step of the way with amazing people and the resources to carry it out. Um, I'm going to just share, go back a little bit about my personal journey. You know, my personal journey starts in Jersey City, uh, in New Jersey. Uh, and uh, I came to this, to the, to this country uh, in 1979. And at the time, there weren't that many Koreans uh, in New Jersey. I mean, we have now there's so many of us, but at the time, you know, you, we found community 
Korean community in the church. And so although my family, we were not Christians, uh, coming to church was a place where we could eat Korean food, where we can talk, you know, speak the language, and really build this kind of bond, this kind of family. And so this is where my journey began. And so I had a neighbor, uh, my family, we were not Christians, but I had a neighbor who lived on the fifth floor. I lived on the third floor. And she would be so persistent. Every Sunday morning, she would come down, stop at the third floor at my apartment, knock on the door, and ask my mom if she'd like to go to church. And of course, my mom, she, she rejected every single Sunday because, I mean, she worked factory jobs. My dad worked, you know, at a fish market. And there's no way we're going to take Sunday morning uh, to go to church. And so my mom rejected her every time, except one day she said, okay, well, we can't go, but you can take my daughter. And so, <laughs> and so she, so my neighbor took me uh, by her hand and took me to church. And that's how I started to, to attend uh, children's church. And that was my first experience at church. And I loved it. It was a place where I felt really at home. And I began to pray for my parents that they would also join. And eventually, a few years later, my mom joined. And many, many, many years later, my father also joined as well. But these are some of the things that I really appreciated about growing up in a Korean church, Korean, uh, very um, homogeneous, uh, Korean-speaking church. It really developed my, it began the spiritual formation, and particularly in the area of prayer, the Word of God, and this real deep love and commitment, dedication to the church, to the local church. So prayer, you know, if you know anything about Koreans, we love to pray early in the morning, right? Like 5.30 in the morning. I mean, who does that really, right? But um, I actually loved going to the morning prayer. I thought just being in the, the, the sanctuary in the morning and just praying um, just was just, a beautiful experience. So my uh, formation started there uh, of, of learning how to pray and listening to my pastor pray out loud. And, you know, he would take off his shoes and he would go up to the altar and he would kneel, put his face to the ground and he would pray and he would pray for like hours. I don't know when he stopped praying because we all left and he was still praying, you know. And so I grew up watching my pastor pray like that. And I pray like that. That's, I remove my shoes, you know, I put my face to the ground and, and I pray that way every morning. Um, so uh, that's how I was shaped. And also the love of the, the, the word of God, you know, knowing that God speaks to us through the word and this, this, this thirst and this hunger for God's word was really ingrained in me. And a love for the church, caring for one another, taking care of each other. And during the early days of our immigrant experience, uh, it, was, it was difficult. You know, that's when uh, we, we didn't speak the language and, and we needed one another to really care for each other and help each other. Um, it, it deepened my sense of identity as a Korean. You know, coming to the States, I kind of lost, I, I lost in many ways uh, of myself. Who am I? You know, I tried, to I tried to adapt to the culture so quickly that I wanted to sort of erase my Koreanness. Uh, in doing so, I actually lost the ability to speak Korean. I picked up English so quickly that all of a sudden I couldn't speak Korean anymore. And I couldn't communicate with my mother. 
And I would constantly like stammer and, and start to stutter when I tried to speak Korean. It was when I, when I started attending the church and listening to the sermon that I was able to speak in Korean and then also to read in Korean as well. So it really deepened the sense of Koreanness. My rootedness really took, took form. Uh, my, my roots, you know, th that I'm part of this bigger group of people, that I'm not alone, that I'm not American. I'm not Korean, but I'm, I'm in this country as a Korean American. And it really, uh, it really uh, formed and, and shaped that identity in me. And there was this love and acceptance. I felt loved when I went to church. I felt cared for that I had, you know, older aunties and, and you know, deacons looking out for me and, and proud of me. You know, they would always cheer for me and, and they were so proud. And so I had that love and acceptance. And I also had opportunities to lead. Uh, to teach Sunday school, to be the president of the youth group, you know, all of these things that I was able to participate through this church experience. But at the same time, I also found my experience to be somewhat stifling and limiting. And these are the reasons why. Um, first of all, while the cultural uniformity, although it, it provided uh, nurturing and, and support, it was also limiting in that there was a, a sort of just one way of thinking, if you will, and there, there were no rooms, the room for diversity in, in thinking, in creativity, or in, in, namely in the areas of even um, uh, roles of women, you know, that it was very one way and very narrow. Uh, and so the cultural uniformity did limit uh, the ability to really pres uh, to, to think differently and to express it within the church. Also, it was insular. You know, it was all about us. While we were a caring community, it was really just about us. We really didn't look beyond the church walls. We didn't know who our neighbors were. We didn't, we didn't talk to the neighborhood business owners. We didn't know anyone. It was just all about us. And later on, when people were, were starting to move out of the city, and moving into the suburbs, they were able to now purchase homes and they, they had some means to, to move outside the city. They were all commuting into the city and really had no relationship, no connection with the life around the church. Also, there, there was a limited understanding of mission. It was mission out there somewhere. We were writing checks and we were providing support out there, but really missing out on a bigger understanding of mission that mission really was not the DNA. It was not within the fabric of the church. It was just something we did over there somewhere. Uh, limited evangelism opportunities. I couldn't share the gospel with my non-Korean friends because how could I invite them to church? How could I invite them to share the, the things that I was part of on the weekends or the retreats or the conferences? How could I invite them and have them participate? It was very limiting. Also, lack of social justice. Uh, I have to say, we really, we, we lacked or we failed in, 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 in supporting and caring for the poor, caring for the, the areas of injustice. You know, there are so many things. You know, Jersey City is, is, is um, I think, second largest city in New Jersey. It's a very diverse community. Uh, and yet, it's actually the most diverse, I think, one of the most diverse in the country. And yet, we really did not reach out to others 
outside our local context. And hierarchical leadership style in that it was really top-down leadership style. And it was, I only really know one method of leadership. I only knew one method of leadership growing up in a Korean church, and that was the benevolent dictator, right? Very kind, very caring, but this is how it went, you know, from the pastor down, elders down to deacons down, right? It was very hierarchical. And, and so these were some of the factors that um, made me sort of have this discontent in my spirit. I was not satisfied. I felt like there was more that I was missing out and my expression of this love for Christ and, and the spirit in me, I, I felt like it was being uh, held down and I, I was not able to express fully. And so there was a moment of real um, tension and prayer in my own spirit. Um, what, where do I go from here? What do I do next? And, you know, during the time of real wrestling with God and, and, and asking God what next, God really spoke. Literally, God spoke. And I'm not sure if uh, your theology allows you to believe that God speaks to us, but in my experience, I heard literally the voice of God who pointed me to Zechariah chapter 4 who said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And a few verses down, who dares despise the day of small things? These are the two verses that really just resonated in my spirit. And it was a call to start to plant a new ministry, to plant a new church. And, you know, at the time, if God's, you know, God didn't just say, God didn't say, plant a new church. It was just the, the group of people that um, I happened to, to, to serve and to minister, this very small group of, of people who were curious about God, sort of on the fringe of, you know, like, shall we pursue God? And in the place of wondering about God, this small group of people, I felt as though God was asking me to continue in this work and to minister to them and start from there. It was a very small group. In fact, it was just the three family. Uh, it was Steve and I, our family. Uh, we have two daughters and then another family, uh, Chinese and, and uh, family and Taiwanese family. And, and so it was the three families that got together and we decided to worship together. And so it started very, very small. But as Zechariah 4.10 says, who dares despise the day of small things. We were, I was just being obedient to the voice of God and this invitation to begin this ministry. And so, um, you know, pioneering a new, uh, a new future by Phil Potter, he says this, the church should always have been built around and shaped by its mission, by the context and culture in which it finds itself, finds itself. And this is exactly what we did. You know, we went outside. We really didn't have a church building. So we met in Panera Bread, you know, we met in my home, we met at the park, uh, wherever we can. And we gathered in these places and just shared life. We did life together. And we extended the invitation to others uh, around us. And we began to extend the love of Christ in, in the context that we found ourselves. Whether, and we had small children at the time. So it was in the softball fields. You know, it was in the, the various PTA gatherings. You know, it was in, you know, um, certain piano lessons. Wherever 
we, our, our sphere, wherever that sphere was, we, that's where we would share Christ. And um, David Bosch says this in Transforming Mission, missionary activity is not so much the work of the church as simply the church at work. And we didn't see this as, you know, what we were doing. We were doing ministry. We were doing work. It wasn't, it, it was very natural. It was very organic. This is who we were. We were just simply extending the invitation. We were just sharing Christ wherever we happened to be. And this is a passage that spoke to me, uh, Ezekiel chapter 47. This is, you know, one of those, uh, the vision that Ezekiel has uh, regarding this um, uh, this the, this this beautiful scene, right, of the sanctuary where the where the water flows from the sanctuary. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. And I took this passage to heart that it's really through the sanctuaries, through the church, that that. The, the healing water will go forth from this place, that it's not within the walls of the church. It wasn't just for us, but it, were, it was to flow outside the sanctuary and that it would reach others and that it would bring healing and life. And I saw this as a call, as a mission for us uh, in this very small beginning that we had. And so NextGen was formed. And NextGen, the 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 name Next Gen came about because I saw myself as the next generation, that I was no longer just doing um, the same old or just repeating the, uh, the, the patterns of the former, of the church that I came from, but I'm the next generation. I'm hearing the voice of God to do this ministry outside the church walls, and I want to be responsible in, in, in impacting and also planting in the hearts of the next generation the sense of mission and the sense of vision for the kingdom of God. And so uh, that logo there is was designed by one of our members, but it represents who we are. We're, we're a mosaic church, uh, just comprised of people of different, different backgrounds and language, and we're centered around this love, for around the love of Christ. And so this is our motto, a mosaic community of faith that seeks to share the love of Jesus with our neighbors near and far. And this is who we are. And this is who we uh, strive to be. Uh, and from the very beginning, um, people wanted to be part of this church, you know, uh, and we had very, we had very, very small budget. In fact, we couldn't pay anyone, really. Um, I was not even being paid. Uh, but uh, people were coming on, and they were willing to just share the vision of this church. They liked what was going on. And so the initially, we were not uh, multicultural. It was very um, Asian-American-focused church. But as we were going out into our community and as we were sharing Christ, we realized that we, realized that we were becoming more uh, mosaic, becoming more multicultural. And so the leadership is very, um, you know, I, I couldn't have scripted this because, uh, and, and how they came to our church is another long story. I'm not going to get into that, but it's really God, God's story. God brought these folks just at the right time to share the vision with us. And um, I'm not sure if you know Lathelma, but she was, she's a graduate of, of um, PTF. 
she was our first um, member to be ordained. And uh, we have Reverend Akiwowo, who now is leading a ministry in Nigeria. And we have, and I'm not sure if you know Adam, he is Adam Banks. He's also a graduate of PTS. Um, he served uh, his, he did his field ed with us and then he stayed and he became now ordained and leading a church uh, in, the, in Ohio. But um, we have a beautiful group of leaders and, and people willing to do this together. Uh, and so, I want to share this. This comes from a book, and if you're interested in multicultural church, I recommend this. It's Multi-Ethnic Conversations. Uh, a healthy multi-ethnic church also focuses on kingdom work as a way to help its diverse members build relational bonds. For instance, it's easier for a church that promotes evangelism to be multi-ethnic because its members commit themselves to a kingdom work far greater than their differences. Churches whose cross-cultural engagement remains strictly social in focus will find integrating across racial lines much more difficult. By embracing a common cause, however, people naturally will grow together as they go together, right? So this multicultural church, multicultural community takes shape as we come together around the vision of God, as we come together to share Christ, to extend the love of Christ to others outside our community, right? Uh, so I'm going to share two stories, and one is about a church that we planted in Heightstown. Heightstown is about 20, 30 minutes from here, from Princeton, and it's a very small town, I think less than 3,000 uh, people. Um, it's a middle-class community, but within the past 15 years, a huge demographic shift has taken place, where now about 50% of the people are Spanish speakers. And so I was very shocked when I drove through and um, happened to just drive through that neighborhood to see um, so much diversity. I, it used to be a majority, all, all white, I want to say not even majority, just all white community, really middle class to upper middle class community. And then now there were so visible um, uh, just um, Spanish speakers, right? You could see the different uh, stores, uh, a bakery, restaurants. I mean, it was very visible. And so um, I, I went home that day and I Googled Heightstown to see what kind of ministries are there for Spanish speakers. And there were a few, but it was very small and it was um, focusing more on, it was more of a national uh, sort of, like, there was an Argentinian church, it was mostly their family, you know, people coming out from uh, Pennsylvania to use the facility. It wasn't really for the community. So uh, at the time, our church, we were very limited in our resources. No one really spoke Spanish, so what can we do? So we start, we committed to prayer. We committed to prayer for one year. We, we prayer walked the neighborhood. We ate at the restaurants there. We, uh, you know, every week we would uh, stop at Heightstown and really commit to God that, that God would use us or, or God would somehow lead uh, ministry for the, the folks there. And exactly one year, I mean, exactly one year later, I went to a conference in Heightstown, and right next to me was a pastor who lived in Heightstown, who spoke Spanish, and he has a heart for the, his neighbors, and he wanted to start a ministry there, but he didn't know how. 
And so I challenged him. I challenged him to, to do this, to start this, and that I would, I would be there and, and, and I would help him. We would do it together. And so we started to pray and we started to imagine what that would look like. And so he took a survey of his community and it turns out that the greatest need for the Spanish speakers there um, was childcare, after school care, because uh, so many of the families, you know, they're both working, right? They're all so busy. What, what will the children do when the parents are not home? They're kind of roaming around. They're, they're not supervised. So they were looking for a really good aftercare, after school care. So we decided to, to start one. And we could not find a facility in town. We really tried so hard. But we couldn't find one facility that we could afford and that would uh, be suitable for what we were trying to accomplish. So this is not recommended, but we did what we had to do. We picked up the children from Heightstown. We brought them to our church about 20 minutes drive. And um, we had to make multiple trips. We had several cars. We had our uh, church members taking turns. Again, I don't recommend this because there's some legal issues, I'm sure, here. Um, but we did this for, for about a year and a half to two years. And what we did was we provided um, homework help. And we also provided um, art lessons, music lessons. And once a month, we invited the whole family to a potluck dinner. And the kids would showcase their artwork. They would play music for the families. And it was just a wonderful time to connect with, with, with the community. And we did that for a while. And through that, we started a Bible study in town in the apartment complex, targeting one specific uh, comp uh, uh, complex where uh, many Spanish speakers live, live. And so Oscar also lived in that uh, community. So we started a Bible study there, and that started to grow. And we reached a point where we decided to worship together. We decided to worship together. And just, you know, it sounds like I'm making this up, but it's really true. Just as, as we were praying for a space, a space opened up right at the center of town. I mean, literally the center of town. When Heightstown was being built, the church was established by Mr. Heights himself, okay? It's a historic church. And right at the center, and they opened the church um, so that we can use it anytime. They didn't charge us anything. They were so gracious. And so we were able to, to use the facility and have our worship. And this is a picture of us ordaining Oscar and his family uh, as we are sending them out. And now, here they are. Five, actually, this Sunday uh, marks the fifth anniversary of New Heights Church. And it's growing and it's thriving. It's thriving. It's exactly what the community needed. And we are planning for another church plant together, Oscar and I. And we're, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I can't, I mean, I can't, I'm, it sounds very uh, romantic, all of this, you know, the way I'm describing. And of course, there were moments of pain, moments when I wanted to quit. And I'm crying and I'm asking God, why? You know, of course, I, I'm going to skip all that. Uh, but it's, it's really incredible the way God moves. And, and you could see the hand of God every step. And so, um, New Heights Christian Church is continuing on, and uh, it's a work of God in uh, 
mission. Another story is from uh, Trenton. It takes place in Trenton. This is a Grant Elementary School in Trenton. It's very close to the fire department, uh, right off of Perry Street. And one of our church members got a job as a fifth grade teacher in the school. And so we went to visit her and we realized that, oh my goodness, this school has, there's, there are a lot of needs here. Uh, you know, if you uh, go to a school in Princeton or Montgomery or West Windsor, it's absolutely beautiful. But when you enter into the school, you could see immediately the needs right there, visible needs. And so we decided to uh, speak with the principal and we just simply asked him, what can we do? We're a church in West Windsor and we'd love to, to just come alongside you. Is there anything that we could do? We didn't come with an agenda. We didn't tell him what we wanted to do or this is how we, things should be done. We simply asked, what can we do? And well, he told us what needed, what was needed. He said that the school was one of the poorest, uh, the lowest performing school in the entire state and that he really needed help with some of the at-risk students uh, just academically. And so um, we decided to come on Saturday mornings from 9.30 to 12.30 to provide academic tutorial, but also provide some fun activities and, and lunch as well. And so we started there, we did that for a few years. And, and in addition to that, we made partnership with uh, Trenton Board of Ed, as well as the administrators, the teachers, and whatever the needs were, we were there. They needed air conditioning, we provided. They needed water cooler for the, uh, for the teacher's lounge, we provided. They needed supplies for PTA, uh, their, their meetings, we provided. We did uh, teacher's luncheons. We did you know parent um, workshops. We were there so much that when, they're, when they have their graduation, they invite us to sit with them on the stage so that we can present awards to the students. So we were fully integrated into the life of this community, of this school. And um, from that came this after school. So one day the principal asked if we would take on uh, a daily after school from 3 to 6.30. And of course, I said yes without even like so ignorant because I, I didn't realize uh, the challenge before me. I just said yes. I just got so excited. I said yes. And then later on, of course, I'm regretting it because I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so hard. Uh, but again, I'm going to skip that. The, yeah. So um, the after school was just a gift because we were able to meet the students. We had about 50 to 60 students daily. We had six teachers uh, we were paying, uh, and we were working with the families and, and getting to know of their concerns, their situations. It was an, it was an experience that really moved our, our hearts. And so... Um, we were doing after school now. Of course, the first year was a total failure, I want to say, because we were in the red financially. It was so hard. There were so many fights that would break out and you know all kinds of stuff. But second and third year, it started to flow, and we were really making a difference. But you know, I realized that we were kind of veering off from the vision. The vision really was not to do an after school program. The vision was to share Christ. But we were not able to really share Christ. We weren't able to share the gospel, really. So we were praying for an opportunity to do that. And the opportunity came. And these are some photos. I, there, there are a lot of pictures here. But it gave us the opportunity to go into the school and really participate in whatever was going on. And so we have our youth, from our kids to you know everyone uh, participated in whatever uh, the activities of the school 
um, whatever was going on, we were there. Um, there we go. Now, the part two of the story is that, you know, as I mentioned, our goal was not to do an after school, but to share Christ. And so we were really praying, Lord, how can we share the gospel, right? And so the answer came um, as Capital City Dinner Church. And the dinner church is an opportunity for us to invite our, of course, the after school families and the neighbors uh, around uh, Trenton to the table to just simply come and eat with us and to share life together. And it gave us an opportunity to share Jesus and also to worship with them, to pray for them, to get to know them in a deeper way. And so Capital City Dinner Church, and if you wanna know more about Dinner Church, uh, Vernon Fosner has a great book. It's really like a how-to book. Um, actually, Jesus is the one who started Dinner Church, okay? So I'm gonna just say that it's not Vernon, but it's Jesus, but you know, he took Jesus's idea and put it into this nice book. So this book really um, is, is great if you wanna learn more about Dinner Church. But um, this was actually, our, we had our first meeting, um, uh, you know, the next week we were gonna start it. This was our inaugural picture. This is our team. Uh, and, this, and then later on our team, our leadership grew, really to include more of the local leaders. And so it's, it started to evolve that way. And so this is just a picture of our dinner church, what it looks like around the table. We have kids and all, all kinds of people, really all kinds of people come, all age groups come, and we just you know really eat and talk. Uh, there's music, some kids come up and sing, they might share a poem, it's a lot of fun. Um, this is what it looks like, a lot of good food. And some of our folks come, uh, our church members come, and they're sort of the behind-the-scenes people. They're helping to cook and clean and so on. Uh, now, during COVID, we had a hiccup because obviously we can't meet for dinner, right? So we, when, when the opportunities uh, arose, we were able to meet outside for uh, dinner church. And then when that couldn't take, um, when we, we couldn't do that anymore, it was a takeaway dinner church. So we packed the dinners and uh, we brought them. Actually, we, we delivered them to the homes of our families and also had them outside too. So people can come and we were still able to pray for them and check up on them and see how they were doing. And you know what? That was really hard, but what it did was it gave us credibility. It gave us credibility in the community. You know, Trenton, it's all about credibility. They're not gonna trust you like that. It takes a long time to earn their trust. And they saw us, and they saw us uh, being faithful, right? And being committed to them, even during the, the pandemic. And so they really appreciated us, and I think that um, they, they kind of took us under their wings. In fact, you know, one of the, the, our neighbors across the street, I've never met him before, but one day he came across, uh, across the street while we had the dinner church set up, and he said, listen, if anybody messes with you, I got your back. I'm always looking out the window, I got your back, don't worry. And that means so much, you know? It, it, it was scary, but <laughs> I'm like, what, what's gonna happen? But um, it was, I was so uh, grateful because he cared enough to, to think about us. And basically, he's, that was his love language, really. He's saying, you know, I care about you, I appreciate you, and I'm, I'm gonna help to, to, to stand alongside you. Um, uh, we also had deliveries, uh, gifts, and all, you know, whatever the occasion, we were there. Uh, and also we had outside tutorials as well. So any homework help, you know, we set up a table outside and we helped the, the, 
students in that community. Um, we also do regular prayer walks. Uh, before the dinner church, we do prayer walks. We, we walk, prayer walk is just walking and praying, right? We could do that, right? So we walk and we pray. We're not praying out loud like to draw attention. We're not doing that. We're not speaking in tongues or anything. We're just walking and just kind of praying quietly to ourselves or just to one another. And we're really inviting the Holy Spirit to, to be present in that space. Um, and one day, just want to share this story. As we were prayer walking, we came across this scene right here. And um, what it was was that the day before, uh, two young men were shot right at that spot. And if you've read the news uh, during um, the pandemic, uh, the crime rate in inner cities skyrocketed, right? Trenton is one of those cities where the crime rate m more than doubled. Uh, and so just right a block away from the church where we do our dinner church, uh, there were two uh, young men who, who died. And so this was a little shrine uh, set for them. And we stopped and we started to talk with the, the people who were gathered there and we were able to minister to them and pray for them. And then in fact, go to the, the families and, and to pray with the mother. Uh, and so it was just a very powerful experience. If we were not out there, if we were not praying, if we were not being obedient to the spirit, we would have missed this opportunity. We would have missed it. And so it gave us a chance to really connect with our community. And so that's, um, that's Dinner Church, and it's still ongoing. And, and we hope that through this Dinner Church that we will be able to grow uh, and really thrive in, in, in reaching our, our children, our teens, our young adults, that we will be able to continue to, to uh, mature. Um, I guess I have one more story, but it's the, the world as my parish, John Wesley says, right? Uh, the parish is not just here at Princeton, but it's really global. And so um, from the very beginning, God gave us really this heart for um, mission outside the local community. And so since our pastor, one of our pastors, Lola Akiwowo, is from Nigeria, we started a ministry there. Uh, and I just have a picture of this Kia because I thought, I think it's just so funny. This is our minivan, you know, and our kids are now older, so we didn't need this minivan. So we shipped it from New Jersey all the way to Nigeria. And now here's this Kia in Nigeria. It's all hyped up now. Like it has all kinds of cool logo and everything all around it. And it's really cool. Um, but we, we started with this minivan to pick up the students. And now we have a fleet of vehicles. We have two coach buses. We have two... Um, 15 passenger vans, two, huh? uh, and we have uh, our minivans. So we have a fleet of, of vehicles to, to pick up our students to the school. But um, this is who we are. We have now 300 students, uh, and the vision is is uh, to build up the school. And through this school, um, we actually started a dinner church in Nigeria. You know, Nigeria is a very religious country. We don't need another church, but we do need discipleship. We need friendship around Christ. And so we started a dinner church. And, and the, at first, people were a little bit hesitant about it, but to come around the table and talk about their faith and life. But it's, it's you know, catching. And, and people are so excited to, to gather. And so uh, through this ministry, we hope to start, you know, a community center, a medical clinic, and so on. And so we're growing here. And there's our school. It's, we're almost done um, building constructing the, the, the school. 
Now, this is another ministry in uh, Kenya, and it's in Kibera. Kibera is one of the largest slums in Africa, one of the largest in the world. And we have a school uh, called Soweto Academy, and this is a school that we're partnering with, uh, with a pastor there. And there, it's a school from nursery school all the way to high school, and we are partnering with them to, to see the students grow and really be educated and, and self-sufficient. We have a water factory there that we're supporting. We're working together with the local leaders there. And so uh, I'm just going to close with this, a beautiful book called Healing Our Broken Humanity. And it says this, God's mission is to reach the whole world. Jesus poured out his spirit at Pentecost on diverse peoples with diverse languages, traditions, hopes, cultures, and expectations. God works in and through racial, gender, linguistic, and generational diversity. God has given the gospel to all the nations, granting all peoples repentance that leads to life. In our unified diversity, we join with God in God's mission and welcome. This is into cultural scope and embrace of the gospel. We reflect the extraordinary mosaic that emerges from God's hospitality and love. Actually, one more slide. Um, and you know, this is a, I'm not sure if you know Mercer County Community Park. Right? If you ever walk there, you, you've, you've seen this, right? This is actually a beam that comes from the World Trade Center. We just had, we just, you know, observed 9-11, the 20th anniversary, but that's one of the beams that came from the World Trade Center. And it almost looks like it's gonna fall but it's kind of being pulled. You know, there's this tension, right? And Booker T. Washington, there's a quote by Booker T. Washington. It says this, there are two ways of exerting one's strength. One is pushing down, the other is pulling up. And there, I think in our spiritual journey, uh, as, as ministers, as, as pastors, there is this tension always of being, uh, of feeling as though we're being pushed down, right? But there is also the Holy Spirit who's also pulling us up. And so we, we dwell in this kind of tension. But I, I pray that I want to encourage everyone to know that we are being held. And it looks like we're going to tip over and fall, but we're not. Because God, has hold, God is holding us up. God has us in the palm of his hand. And we will continue. We may never be fully upright and, and perfect. We may kind of be tilted. But that's okay. It's in that place where we're relying on God. We're trusting in the Holy Spirit to lead us through. Amen. We here at the Center for Asian American Christianity at Princeton Theological Seminary invite you to join in the ongoing dialogue on Asian American faith, identity, social engagement, and ministry through our newsletter, blog, and upcoming conferences at ltiaa.com.